Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we continue our reflections into the richness of the gospel this 13th Sunday of Ordinary Time, where we have the opportunity to reflect into the importance of the face. <laughs> and some of you might be thinking right now, what do you mean the face? Well, hopefully by the end of this program, you know what I'm talking about. And also uh, discipleship and what discipleship is all about. And it is Thursday, so I do have Debbie Rosales back with me here in studio. So Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. I'm so happy to be here. So Debbie, before we jump into our principal subject matter for this evening, I just uh, wanted to say a word about how we think about ordinary time. This is the 13th Sunday in ordinary time. And uh, while it is ordinary time, what we have before us as Christians and Catholics is this call to look at the ordinary and transform it into something extraordinary, right? This is what is before us, to transform what is the mundane, to transform what so many would say the boring, to something exciting, to something rich, to something that has deeper meaning. This is what the Christian and Catholic faith is all about in our journey of faith. And I really did want to highlight that because I think we tend to slip into this mindset of, yeah, you want to know what? It is just another day. <laughs> and of course, this is on the forefront of my heart, Debbie, because our subject matter, our gospel does speak to this, this need to turn what is ordinary into something extraordinary. So this is what is before us in this quote-unquote ordinary time. And it is right that we have great feast days, that we have the great seasons of Advent and, and Christmas and Easter, but we also have the ordinary time. And within the larger context of what our faith is about, we are to transform this ordinary time to something extraordinary. And so the question is, how do we do this? Uh, well, Debbie, again, this is what these readings are about today. We're reading from Luke 9, 51 through 62. When the days for Jesus being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan town to prepare for his reception there. But they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. As they were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. To him Jesus said, 
No one who sets his hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, Debbie, I want to go back to that first verse. Um, You read, he was resolutely determined. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting, Mm -hmm. in another translation, you get faith. Let me go ahead and read Mm -hmm. that first verse again in another translation. When the days drew near for him to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, what's going on there? Well, in the Greek, prosopon, face is more than the front of the human head per se, uh, but the organ of revealing, hmm? the organ of revealing, the, the organ that allows us to know something about another. Essentially, by its various movements and changes, it becomes an outward sign, if you will, of inward thoughts and feelings. The face is intimate. The face, Debbie, is, is how we uh, come to know others. We see with our eyes and are able to discern signs of what someone might be experiencing, whether it be joy, uh, whether it be sadness, whether it be anger, whether it be frustration, whether it be jubilation. If you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan last night, right? <laughs> <laughs> there is something that is being expressed on the outside that communicates a much deeper reality. Right. And what am I talking about now? But the sacramentality of the body, specifically the sacramentality of the face as a way of knowing. Now, your phrase that you read, resolutely determined, tied to the Greek prosopon, speaks to what? His face was resolutely determined. The apostles looked upon the face of God incarnate and saw a human being who was perfectly resolutely determined. Isn't that striking? This is what they saw. And what's so important for us to appreciate here is that it was set towards Jerusalem. It was set towards Jerusalem. And I would argue, Debbie, this is the face we are to contemplate. Uh, This is the face we are to contemplate alongside, of course, Christ crucified. I I have a um, picture that my wife bought for me last Christmas. It is a picture of our Lord up on Mount Olives overlooking Jerusalem. Mm. It's a painting actually by Thomas Kincaid. And I remember we had a weekend together a couple of years ago in Capitola, and we went into this uh, art display and I saw this picture. And you know, my wife and I were talking about other things and I just was gravitating towards that picture, right? Mm-hmm. And I found myself transfixed by it for like a half hour. And uh, we just kind of went on our way well, my wife took notice of that, apparently, and it was a, a Christmas present a year and a half later, oh. right? And, and what gripped me is face, right. and the way it was just set towards Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, now that picture hangs above a dresser of mine in my room, and every time I wake up, I just look at that picture, and I find myself continuing to be transfixed by it, right. you know, contemplating that face as it's looking out over Jerusalem. Of course, there's this light over him, mm-hmm. and that light is the moon. It's just, it's uh, striking, and I couldn't help but think of that picture as I was reading this gospel, because he set his face towards Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He set his face towards Jerusalem, and what's really interesting, Debbie, is when you go back to the gospel of John, John wants to emphasize Christ's hour. So in a manner of speaking, Jesus never stopped living with the end in mind, but something did happen when he set his face towards Jerusalem. Holiness had a new face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Discipleship had a new path. And these are things we are made uh, to contemplate.
that's just so beautiful. And I was thinking to myself, and Jackie saw your face mm. transfixed mm-hmm. by his face. Yeah. Yeah. How beautiful. Yeah. And she took note of that. I kind of challenged myself as I was reading this. Debbie, in what way are you resolute and determined to seek your path, to be on your path to the New Jerusalem? Reso- those are strong words, resolute yes. and determined. And you know, speaking of, of the face, it always reminds me of Moses when he comes down from the mountain and everyone looks at his face. Face. His face has changed. It's beautifully radiant. Mm-hmm. And he, he wants to cover it because they're all looking at him. Mm-hmm. When we encounter Christ in that way, our face changes. You know, uh, Pope Francis talks about the ministry of a smile. Just think about that. That little action on our face can make such a difference in the lives of the people around us. Just as our growly, grumbly face Mm-hmm. affects those around us. So Jesus invites us to to follow him, mm-hmm. to follow him. Mm-hmm. Do what I do. What was awaiting him in Jerusalem? Death. Yes. But yes. the fulfillment of God's plan mm-hmm. is what he saw. Yeah. When you were talking about joy there, ultimately uh, as a sacrament, what is it a sacrament of? A living relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. One that is mindful that, you want to know what? Although he promises suffering, Although he promises right. death, although he promises trial, as long as, I, as I'm in a living relationship with Jesus Christ, I know I have what it takes, not what I can do on my own, but what I can do in Christ to overcome uh, the suffering, the trials that come our way. That's what it's about in the end. You know, I was thinking too, Debbie, we plan things way in advance, mm-hmm. four months out, six months out, for some of us a year out, right? And we save up for these plans, these trips, And what happens to us when we draw closer to those trips, especially the more exciting trips, the more exciting vacations? Well, we get excited. We Mm -hmm. get joyful. Mm -hmm. And we have a way of expressing that. Jesus Christ was drawing near to Jerusalem what, for all intents and purposes, he had in his mind from the beginning of time. Right? (laughs) Right? Right? And so his face is communicating this. Mm-hmm. His Nothing face was going to stop him. No. Nothing no. was going to stop him. He was resolute, resolute. And, and he was determined. And I'm always fascinated by what that word resolution means. You know, resolutio. It's a word that means to alleviate tension, right? Mm-hmm. To alleviate tension. So when we are re- resolute, right, we're no longer bound by all of those things that tend to bind us up mm-hmm. hmm? and determined, right? Concentrated focused right one-minded uh, yes a one-minded single-minded single-hearted uh-huh. right that's what this mm-hmm. is about and that's what the christian walk has right. to be about and in speaking of the christian walk certainly debbie in today's gospel jesus speaks of the severity of the unconditional nature of christian discipleship uh, so far as to talk about family ties and filial obligations, such as burying one's parents and how it cannot distract us. Mm. Now, that's a hard saying to hear. You know, isn't that a little over the top, Jesus? <laughs> you know? yeah, isn't it an act of mercy for <laughs> yes. us to bury the dead, yes. Lord? But what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say unambiguously in verse 62? No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Is he saying that we should pay no attention to our family ties, 
to those natural family obligations? No, he's not saying that. He certainly raises up the family in many other cases. But what he's saying is, your obligation to me supersedes all other obligations. And in so many ways, the natural family needs to constantly point towards the family of God. The church is the family of God and how you're called to serve the family of God. You know, Debbie, we were talking before in the coffee shop because we're on Steve Prepper radio program other than a coffee shop, right? That's right. <laughs> After Mass, of course. In our own encounters with death, how they have sharpened our focus. Yes. You know, I was a sophomore in high school. It was the end of my sophomore year, and uh, my father passed away uh, pretty abruptly. But I'm not here to talk about when he died as much as I'm here to talk about what I saw after he died, specifically his corpse. Because I will never forget when my eyes, <laughs> right, the front of my human head as an organ, right, looked upon my father and did not see him, right? I saw his body, but my dad wasn't there. And in that moment, God said, let's go. Let's go. And why was I able to hear that? Because when I looked upon my dad, when I looked at my dad and I didn't see him there, something instantly changed. It was no longer about my family tie, about my family connections. It was about something so much greater. And from that day, from that day in late May 1991, my life changed. And by the grace of God go I. So every time I I read this first, I'm mindful of that. I am reminded of that because there's power in those words. (laughs) What does he say in Matthew chapter 12, verses 48 to 50? Who is my mother? who my brothers, but whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. Huh? This is what Jesus wants us to see. So unreservedly following Jesus Christ, knowing that there is a severity to that call, there is a radicality to that call, because it's about Jesus and Jesus alone. Absolutely. There is this beautiful image of following him. There's that little poem about foot Footsteps in the sand. Footprints, yes. Yeah, the footprints in the sand. One of my favorites. I think of that image when he says, follow me. I think if I just step in his footprints, I'll be okay. I'll be safe. (laughs) I'm good to go. And when I, you know, very off of those footprints is when I kind of get in trouble. And I love that the catechism says in um, 1731, by free will, one shapes one's own life. Mm. Mm. It was one of those gems that you talked about. Yes, it's one yes. of those gems. By free will, one shapes one's own life. We can decide, like the Samaritans, to not respond to the call, to uh, not respond to the invitation. We can do that. We can choose that in our life. We'll never be happy, but we can choose that. Mm-hmm. Or we can walk in his footsteps and enter divine life. That's what he's offering. He's not offering just an ordinary life. (laughs) He's offering his own self, his own divine life, that gift every day. Every day we make this choice. This isn't just a one-time event, just as you had that let's go every day. Every day when you get up, he's saying, come on, Joe, let's go. Amen. Let's go. It's such an action, such an action word. It's like, sure, you can grieve your dad, but let's go. We We got the kingdom. We got the kingdom to evangelize. Yes. We've yes. got souls to win. What a and, beautiful thing. And you know, Debbie, we have the Samaritan today in today's reading, 
And I'm also made to think about the rich young man against Matthew, mm. the tax collector. Yeah. He invited both of them. Yeah. One said yes and one said no. The rich young man and the tax collector. And I don't care what your walk of life is out there. He calls everyone. Everyone. One of the observations and or concerns that I get from a lot of people out there is just that the, they are not fit for the kingdom of God. Right. But as it has been said, Debbie, you know, God doesn't call the qualified per se as much as he qualifies the call. Absolutely. He calls universally. Mm -hmm. He calls everyone. And we are made to enter into this great truth because if we feel that we are not worthy, if we think that we are not equipped to do what God wants us to do, just remember who he called in the first 12. Right. right? What uh, a motley crew, yes, huh? <laughs> yes, uh, a motley crew that couldn't be more different, uh-huh. right? And something certainly we have talked about a lot in this radio program, but we do need to be reminded of that, Debbie. Mm-hmm. We really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and understand that there is a particularity, there is a concreteness, there is a uniqueness to each and every one of us. And God wants us to look in the mirror and ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to do, as you just spoke to Debbie, today? Mm-hmm. How might I become more like you today right. in my own uniqueness? Mm-hmm. Right? Debbie will never be Joe, and Joe will never be Debbie. Nope. You know, Joe will never be uh, John or Mark or Pat, and, and Debbie will never be Jane, Lori, or Diane, right? I mean, we are who we are as created the image and likeness of God, and no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, in the end, I'm speaking to everyone out there and I'm speaking to myself mm-hmm. because I need to be reminded of this as well, of course. God will always love you yep. because God's love is unconditional and he desires to be in a living relationship with you. Amen. How much? <laughs> well, we just read it today. He set his face towards Jerusalem. That's how much. Mm-hmm. And as we talked, Jerusalem was suffering in death. And this love is great. You know, I wanted to speak to this agricultural image, Debbie, because you already touched upon it as far as that, that straight and narrow path. You know, why this phrase, no one who puts a hand at the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God? What about the farmer who he's preaching to? You know, the farmer has to keep his eyes uh, fixed straight ahead. What happens if he doesn't? Well, otherwise, the, the neatly organized field required for planting would be turned into a chaotic nightmare. Mm-hmm. I, I have a father-in-law who is a farmer, and I talked to him about this on one occasion, and he spoke to this, you know? (laughs) The moment he turns around is the moment it turns into, at least his field, a chaotic nightmare, (laughs) Um, specifically harvesting time, right? And what kind of harvesting are we talking about in the spiritual context? Well, the harvesting of souls and the fact that we've been called to share in this great ministry. What does he say? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations— soul by soul. I mean, of course, we look in the mirror, mindful of our own conversion each and every day, and out from that we go forth, humbly serving our Lord. This is the demand, Mm -hmm. right? But it is also a commissio. It is a commission. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? Well, commission, the Latin prefix there, cum means with, right? Of course, missio, to be sent forth. We are being sent forth with someone, and that someone is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, right? A person. Do we have a living relationship with the Holy Spirit? Huh? This is what is before us. So when Jesus talks about, um, you know, let the dead bury their own dead, this is not to disrespect the deceased, but simply to place a priority on what 
is to never supersede our obligation to Jesus Christ, and that is plowing his fields for the yes. greater glory of, of his kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity every day. Let us never take it for granted that it is a beautiful invitation to your divine life. And don't let fear have you say, I'll follow you, Lord, just not right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I got to go do this. I got to do that. Mm-hmm. Don't let fear do that to you and rob you. Amen. You know, Debbie, we were talking before mm-hmm. um, here of these words that come to us from Cardinal Schoenborn, and I thought I'd go ahead and, and share these words because they really do speak to what we're talking about right now. This is Cardinal Schoenborn reflecting upon this scriptural passage. He says, But how do we go on our way? Hastily or peacefully? Hesitantly or in decided fashion? Is there a goal we should reach? Do we know about this goal? Or are our lives just a matter of stumbling on from one day to the next? I mean, does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was on. Mea culpa. Yes. Are our lives a matter of laboriously muddling through, alternating between duty and entertainment, between tasks and amusements? Hmm. I want to stop there. Alternating between duty and entertainment, between tasks and amusements. What is he saying there? Life is more than what we do and how we entertain ourselves. And I pause there in what he says, Debbie, because that's where we all live, <laughs> except for the, the few like that of Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And, and we really do need to challenge ourselves that it's more than just the work we do and how we entertain ourselves, how we spend the first eight hours of our day after we wake up working to then entertain ourselves in the subsequent hours. It's about giving glory to God. How we entertain ourselves may bring us joy, but it's fleeting. It's fleeting. We live here in Chico, California, and I'll never forget the article I read soon after Aaron Rodgers won the Super Bowl. Mm. He was empty inside because he thought that the Super Bowl was going to fulfill him. Mm. He connected with one of his teammates who was from Africa, and he said, and I quote, in serving in Africa did I find my true fulfillment. This is Aaron Rodgers, right? Super Bowl MVP. Mm. What's going on there? It's not about entertainment. It's not about what we do. The only thing that will satisfy our deepest longing, whether you're a homeless person or you're Aaron Rodgers, is Jesus Christ and serving Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know what faith Aaron Rodgers is, but all I know is what he spoke to, which gets to the heart of our point, that if we are going to seek fulfillment, we need to be serving Jesus Christ, huh? We need to put the hand to the plow, (laughs) as Jesus tells us, Mm -hmm. and be mindful of what that looks like in our everyday life. There's nothing lukewarm about Jerusalem, Debbie. There is nothing that gives us the warm fuzzies about Jerusalem, especially within the context of why Jesus was going there. And there's nothing uh, lukewarm about our discipleship. You are either in or you are either out. And a lot of us want to live in between um, because it's the safe place to be. A lot of us want to live in the normalcy right? Because it's the safe place to be. But how is that person holy? Hmm? What does holiness mean to be set apart? We are only set apart if we are living in one camp or the other. And by the grace of God, let it be the camp of Christ. There's a tendency to just keep this point to the margins, keep it at bay, you know, keep it at arm's distance. That is not what Jesus is saying here today in the gospel, because Christian discipleship is radical. A word that means uh, to the root. One might think of a radish, right? To the root. 
and the root of Christianity is setting our face towards Jerusalem. You mentioned uh, Mother Teresa, and let's look at her just for a moment. She was already a nun, right? Mm -hmm. She was Mm. in an, an order of nuns, an order of teaching nuns. She lived in a nice area of India and taught wealthier Indian girls. They mm-hmm. loved her. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, let's go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great point, Debbie. And yeah, she, talk but, about radical. Mm-hmm. Talk about radical. Yeah, you use the word already, and I like that in that context. She was already All serving God. She was yes, already a nun. She was, she was already doing great things. Yes. And we know... Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, soon to be Saint Teresa of Calcutta on September 4th, mark your calendar, <laughs> for a whole other reason, because she didn't live in that already. Yeah. She lived in the what was, you know, yet to come. Right. And the what was yet to come was the greatness of this extraordinary call. Now, someone said to me well, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this, well, we're not all called to be Mother Teresa. Um, yes and no. Mm-hmm. No, because there's only one Mother Teresa, as we just talked about right. it. There's only one Debbie Joe. Right. But... Yes, in the context of how you just spoke to it. I don't care what you've done. Again, put the hand to the plow. Don't look back. Don't look mm-hmm. back. Don't pat, your, pat yourself on the shoulder. There's so much more to do. Right. Huh? When Jesus retreated into prayer, the disciples were looking for them. And when they finally found them, they said, Jesus, the people are looking for you in the town where you just were. And, and what did Jesus say? No. On another occasion, we must put the hand to the plow. Mm-hmm. We must advance the kingdom of God. Blessed Teresa of Calcutta advanced the kingdom of God oh, yes, and did, did so beautifully, of course, in serving the poorest of the poor. I think that might be a way to wrap up our program, Debbie, as a challenge to our listening audience to think about, A, how God is calling uh, you to go deeper in your faith, right? How God is calling you to convert more and more, be transformed by his saving fire of love, and ultimately how he wants to use you just not in a local ministry per se at your local church. That's fine. But more in that apostolic context. How is he calling you to go out into the field, Mm -hmm. to go out into the city, into the state, into the country, into the world, and reveal the greater kingdom of God? Mindful that whatever you've done, all he desires is to be with you. And we pray for the grace that, that our desire might match his desire to be with us. May we live in that gap, (laughs) closing that gap all the days of our life. Very good. Let us go ahead and close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.